Hey everyone, welcome to 10 Movies, where every season we focus on one actor through 10 of their most iconic films. This season, we've decided to dive deep into the cinematic catalog of Mr. Tom Cruise. I'm Hamel Javeri, and with me is my wonderful co-host and friend, Brian Minter. Boy, am I with you tonight, and I could not be more excited to talk about the Tom Cruise vampire movie, Interview with a Vampire. Spooky noises. <laughs> it's 1994's Interview with a Vampire, directed by Neil Jordan. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! You want answers! I want the truth! Mission accomplished! Show me the money! I have so many thoughts about this film. Based on the novel by Anne Rice, the the best-selling. I gotta feel like everyone in America had a copy of this on their bookshelf at one point. I've never read the novel, and to this day, and until it came time to watch this movie, I had never seen the film. Oh, interesting. Well, I'm I'm interested to hear what you thought about it. But before I ask what you thought about it. What was the story of Interview with the Vampire? Uh, let's see. In the past, when we talk about some of Tom Cruise's movies, I say that the movie is more of a vibe than a plot. And while this movie has plot, it is also insanely vibe-heavy. Yeah, it's more of a picaresque, right? Brad Pitt is a vampire, and he's been around for 200 years, and we see a bunch of stuff that he did. Yeah, so it starts with uh, Brad Pitt... The, the framing of the story, the story structure that's taken from the novel is that Brad Pitt is giving an interview to a journalist and telling him about his life. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. He, he came right from Gleaming the Cube to do the interview with a vampire. <laughs> Sorry, he came right up from Pump Up the Volume mm. to do Interview with a Vampire. Can I interrupt real quick? <laughs> Christian Slater, and if you're younger viewers, you may not, you, listeners, excuse me, you may not remember this. Christian Slater had the coolest hair in the in the like the, the early nineties, and I was reminded how cool his hair is in this movie. Yeah, incredibly it cool hair. Just, yeah, such cool hair. Also, and spoiler alert, it contrasts with how bad everybody else's hair is, with how cool Christian Slater's hair is in this. Oh film. yeah, you're right. There's a there's a, there's a sharp uh, disparity in hair coolness. All but right. I'm sorry, you were talking about the story, the interview with yes. the vampire. Let's talk about the plot. The framing is is that Brad Pitt is the vampire Louis who is giving an interview to Christian Slater's character, telling him all about his life. Mm. All right. Christian Slater wants to interview him. He gradually comes to believe that he's actually interviewing a real vampire. He's not a reporter. What what is he? Why is he interviewing the vampire? No, at the very beginning, he's like a guy from NPR. It's like all things considered segment. Yeah, he's like a radio (laughs) reporter. He's just like a weird like conspiracy theory guy. I didn't realize he was like a legacy media journalist. (laughs) Yeah, he's like he says at the very very start of the movie that he's with like a radio station. This Sunday on NPR, (laughs) an interview with the vampire. It it really. But first, the Federal Exchange's news. It really is just like some guy from um, whatever these NPR shows. Sorry, I don't <laughs> listen to a lot of NPR, but I know you do. Wait, wait, don't tell me, yeah. vampire. I, I missed that completely. Wow, that, that changes my observation of the whole movie. But I'm sorry, yeah, so Christian Slater is interviewing the vampire. For the third For time. all things considered. <laughs> oh, God. This is going to be a nightmare to get through. All right. And he has been changed to a vampire 
from Lestat, probably one of the most iconic vampires in pop culture, played by Tom Cruise, and it really goes through their life and uh, so how... So 200 years prior 200 to the interview years, with yes. the vampire. It started in 1791, as he says, like, multiple times. So he's been a vampire for about 300 years. Talks about wines incessantly. He hasn't gotten over anything in 300 years. <laughs> wines incessantly. I would have dealt with it a little bit by then. <laughs> wines incessantly about being a vampire <laughs> for 200 years. That is the plot of the entire film. Yeah, Brad Pitt is pissy about being a vampire. <laughs> Brad Pitt. <laughs> For 200 some years. Does not like being a vampire. That's the plot of the film. And I, I hear, like, I hear you, Brad Pitt. It doesn't, it seems like it's a lot of downsides to it, but you think you would have acclimated after 250 years. Yeah, he hasn't gotten over anything. No, no. He's just a He's wh- hanging on to that pissiness over the whole thing. Whiny, whiny little brat. Can't see the the upside to anything here. Now, so, so uh, yeah, so that basically it's the story but you know that we get a lot of vignettes from Brad Pitt's life right mm-hmm. like in the first part Tom Cruise turns him into a vampire and they pal around New Orleans and they do horrible things and then uh, well then the, the Claudia I think that's an important part of the story what? yeah they the, one of the pivotal points the pivotal points in the story is that because Brad Pitt is so consumed with guilt. Oh, you made me a vampire. That's terrible. (laughs) About killing people, he loses control. He turns a child, played by Kristen Dunst, who plays Claudia. Well, I think critically, Lestat actually vampires her. Oh, right. Sorry. But he almost kills her and then feels like down in the dumps about it. And apparently, according to vampire rules, you should not make a kid a vampire because that will fuck him up. Yeah, as rightfully so. Yeah, and you got a crazy child vampire. You got a crazy child vampire. And, I mean, the rule is supposed to be you have to turn, you can only turn somebody who can survive on their own and kids can't. Anyway, the one of the pivotal points is that they basically turn a child into a vampire and adopt her and have this, like, gay vampire family until she goes crazy and then kills Lestat. She murders Lestat in a truly... This is a movie jam-packed with horrifying scenes. That one might be top of the heap. Just it, yeah, com- awful com- murder. Completely, well, she kills him twice, and both times are Yeah, terrible. I guess she never really murdered him because he keeps popping back up. Uh, yes, so... So then they go to Paris. They go to Paris. Uh, they Brad go to Pitt Paris. And his child vampire buddy. They try to escape. They think Lestat is dead. They go to Paris for like 200 years. They meet Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas, who plays uh, Armand. Armand. So the we'll sexy come back to vampire. Wait, this movie already has a lot of sexy vampires. <laughs> Are they all we sexy another one. vampires? Can I tell you, though? So, uh, yeah, the, the, it kind of jumps around. And there's, yeah, there's this long sequence where they're in Paris. And Brad Pitt has been looking for other vampires. Yeah. And he only knew a couple. But in Paris, there's a shitload of it. There's just like a whole circus of vampires. So there's two extended scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that, I, that surprised me about this movie is how much of like a true horror movie it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are a couple scenes that are gory, but mostly the movie is terrifying and really in like an existential way. And, and all like two of those were scenes for me were the Paris stuff. Like the vampires in Paris are so, they're so evil. They're not like your modern moody emo Twilight vampires. They are old school, merciless, monstrous yeah. creatures. Not even comical like Bella Lugosi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mean, evil vampire. Like yeah. old school Dracula vampires. So they have, they're doing this theater where they actually kill an innocent victim on stage and the audience doesn't quite realize it, but it's so creepy and they're not sure. And that's just how they get their jollies. Yeah. And then... <laughs> 
Later, they uh, they don't care for Brad Pitt, vampire, and they're upset about his child vampire sidekick. So they they lock Brad Pitt in an iron coffin forever, and they cast a child vampire into a, like a pit from which she cannot escape, and the sun burns her alive. And when they do these things, they are gleeful about it. And yeah. that is a chi- that was a whole chilling sequence. Like it was awful. It it comes at a and the and the where it's situated in the movie is basically like right. I would say that's pretty much the climax of the film. When then a lot more stuff happens. Yeah, some stuff happens. Lestat comes back. Lestat comes back, but that's at the very end. That's the denouement. Like we knew he really wasn't dead. You know, you're not going to kill Brad. Well, Pitt. he comes back twice, right? Doesn't he? He comes back twice. He comes but... back in Paris, and then at the end. Sorry, I'm getting ahead. I'm getting ahead. Anyway, you're anyway. I I'm I think that where the scene happens is basically Brad Pitt has said. I've lost the last of my human soul. This is the last of my humanity. You've taken it from me. And then the crazy, gleeful vampires come in and lock him up uh, and burn the child alive because they don't have any souls. They have no regrets. Yeah, they they're, do they're not good vampires. Yeah, yeah, they're mean as shit. Yeah, those are the kind of vampires that you want to be. Like, if you're going to be a vampire, commit yeah, to being they're not a vampire. they around and moaning about it like no. Brad Pitt. They, they are vampires. And I will say it's not, they take it out on Brad Pitt because he committed a cardinal sin of killing another vampire. No, see, I don't think he, like, they say that. Yeah. But really, like, so Armand, the Antonio Banderas vampire, He's kind of like, he's a cut above. He's like, yeah. you know, I want to be philosophically challenged as a vampire because he's very old. He's an ancient vampire. And he's really tired of all his, like, mean vampire sidekicks. So he's very taken with Brad Pitt. So these other vampires, they're just jealous. They're like, oh, you like Brad Pitt? What if we destroy him? Yeah. See I, how I you was, like him then. Yeah, I felt Banderas. like, I was like, okay, that feels like they're kind of jealous that dad has a new favorite or yeah. whatever. And um, then Brad Pitt kills them all. Uh, let me ask you a question. Did you like this movie? Okay, so this movie, this is the big question. It was campy, it was melodramatic, it was goth in kind of like a mall goth way, but I I think I did enjoy it. It was really powerful because it was so horrifying in like a bone-deep, heart-horrifying way. Yes. What did you think? I don't know. Well, I think the question is a little misleading. Mm, like, yeah, that's true. Did I like the movie? <laughs> no. I, there are so many times where I watched it and I was just like, this movie's so messed up, right? Like, there's so many scenes, so many weird little Kristen Dunst yeah. thing where I was like, this movie's this is, fucked up. This movie is <laughs> fucked up. This is creepy. That being said, did I think it was like a well-made good movie? Yes, because it dealt with so much weird, creepy shit that no one wants to deal with in movies anymore. Yeah, it was like, again, I, I think I must have seen this at some point. You said you'd never seen it. But knowing that this was like a big Hollywood, yeah. you know, I was shocked at how dark it was. Yes. Like a big budget, you know, big heavy superstars. Uh, I was shocked at like how many weird, creepy, gross lines. Yeah, it was crossing. Immoral I was like, oh my yeah. God, the like, oh, fact- did that happen? My yeah. God. Like there's this, you know, one, there's a scene very early on where uh, for whatever reason, Anne Rice decided that some things that vampires do, she will like keep as lore and some she'll totally discard. And one is they sleep in coffins. Never gives us a reason why they need to sleep in a coffin. Yeah, there's a scene where Christian Slater's like, hey, what about Garland Cross? And Brad Pitt's yeah. like, oh, that's just vampire lore. Yeah, but but co- for some reason, yeah, co- oh, yeah, absolutely coffins. Coffins, yes. right. But anyway, there's a point where after they turn Claudia, Kristen Dunst, uh, there's a scene where he's like, well, she crawled into my coffin every night. And they show it, and I'm like, this is creepy. Yeah, so just gross. Lots of. 
Lots of just, gross undertones yes. and then lots of gross overtones. Exactly. Just, like just so, so creepy and Many gross. horrible things happen. But I was shocked that like a big budget major studio was like, we're keeping yeah. all that in there. This is like an A-list HBO Tom Cruise Brad Pitt movie and like yeah. something grotesque and fucked up happens yeah. in every scene. Yeah. So I so in that sense, I kind of give everybody props for making just the weirdest Well, they movie. went for it, right? Yeah. They're like, all right, this is going to be a... Like, because I was recently forced during the pandemic to watch the Twilight movies. Mm. And they are, like, for real, they are laughably bad, right? Yeah. They're just so stupid. <laughs> but even like a lot of other contemporary depictions of vampires, like they're cool and they're monsters, but like this movie is very old school in its sensibility. Like vampires are the worst things in the world and they're merciless and they don't have souls and they will they they like there's all these like actual human beings who just the vampires who treat like food or garbage <laughs> like oh that was a person they just tore the arms off of and they don't care whatsoever but everybody leaned into it i do remember a lot of the discourse if you will around this movie when it came out if this movie came out now in the days it would, man it would, twitter would be going on about it for a month yeah i i do remember that when it did come out there was tons of press a lot of people did think that it went like too far and there was a lot of i actually remember there being conversations about whether or not it was going to kill like tom cruise's career or brad pitt's career neither happened by the way um but yes so did i like it I don't know if I liked it, but was it yeah, a good movie? Yeah, I'm with you. Really good movie. Yeah, it was a real movie, and like, yeah. it, had a, it had a point of view. Yeah. Um, so you, you we're talking about uh, our stars here. Uh, we'll, of course, come back to Mr. Cruz, but uh, who are the other major members of the Interview with the Vampire cast? All right, well, let's get to it. Tom Cruise as the charming but despicable Lestat. Lestat, yeah. Well, let's come back to his portrayal. We'll come there, back. Yeah, I think he, uh, that he's an interesting... This is an interesting Tom Cruise movie. Very much so, but we're going to wait for that. Brad Pitt as... Louis? Brad Pitt is boring in this movie. Louis oh is God. boring. He's also not hot. He's, yeah, he's not, not hot. Yeah, and he's Brad Pitt of yeah, all people. They made Brad Pitt not hot. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand the reasoning there, but we've got Brad and Pitt. he should be, like, you would think that there would be more for him to do. Like, he's not. He's a good actor. Like, you've seen him in a lot of things where he's good. Yeah. And Louis' moral struggle is, you know, kind of the recurring theme of this movie. Like, oh, I'm a vampire. What does it mean? What does it all mean? But he doesn't, like, aside from actual dialogue, you don't really get anything from him. He's in... Sorry, excuse me. He's in an incredibly passive character, yes. which is so frustrating in films. Uh, but we also have Antonio Banderas as charming Armand. Yeah, unnecessary, but it's fine. I mean, he needed to be hot. He was, he was like fine. sexy vampire number seven. Yeah. Christian Slater as the NPR correspondent, Daniel or Danny, whatever his name is. And Kristen Dunst as... Incredible. Oh, my God. She's amazing as a child vampire. She's fucking creepy as crap. <laughs> hey, this is the best Kirsten Dunst movie ever. Yes! Yeah, I, she's okay in lots of things, but she's great in this. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst as Claudia. Incredible. Yeah, she's like horrible and horrifying. And like, she is what would happen to a child who was turned into a vampire. I, I, I cannot imagine, like, her... I think she actually, like... This is her performance was talked about when the movie first came out, but she outshines everybody in the cast. Um, I wouldn't even let my child be in this movie. Just like the things that, that, that I don't know how old she was, 10, 11, like the things she had yeah. to see and like witness on set. Yeah, there's like so much and these like complicated themes that she is dealing with. Um, and she like pivots from uh, being a kid to being like a crazed vampire adult in like 
split seconds. It's terrifying to watch. But it. I can't think like I can think of other movies she's in, and she's like, all right, she's an actress who does movies. But like this was like her her, yeah. her crowning glory as an actor. I mean, you know, she's still got a lot of life left in her. She'll probably do some other great things. But... Maybe she'll have a renaissance. Maybe we'll do a ten movie season about Kirsten Dunst. At she some was point. in Power of the Dog. She did. I'm not saying she hasn't done so. I'm just saying like I if you said Kirsten Dunst, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Incredibly powerful performance. She was. But let's go back to Brad Pitt for a second to, as Louis. As the moody, impassive, whiny Louis. So many things went wrong with uh, Brad Pitt in this role, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. How so? Not hot. Like, uh, absolutely nothing to do. And all of Brad Pitt's, like, sexy, devil-may-care charm completely wasted. Like, when you make Brad Pitt moody, don't like it doesn't work at all. Yeah, he's got lots of screen time. Like Louis is always on screen. He's the protagonist of the movie. But yeah, he doesn't uh yeah, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything of interest. He just floats he along and whines. No, he doesn't do anything. He t- I don't know he makes any active choices. Like it gets interesting when Kristen uh Kristen Dunst kills Lestat because Louis is too much of a chicken yeah, to do he's it. He's been moping around about it and she's yeah. like, you know what, I'm gonna fuck this vampire up. <laughs> Um, Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Didn't what do you we, think about him? Did we already talk about him? Didn't we talk about him a minute ago? He's, <laughs> he's fine. He's just like another sexy else. vampire. I actually really liked him in this movie. But I don't think the character's necessary, right? Like, the character is just like, what if there was a different version of Lestat, but a little less campy? Um... Well, your point gets to some larger themes that I think the movie is trying to deal with that aren't just vampire related. Mm. Are you referring to the homoeroticism? Oh, well, right. I mean, right now this is just like a big gay vampire movie that just like never went full gay. And I think now you can't make this movie without obviously acknowledging gay vampires. There's a lot, if that so, even applies to vampires. Yeah, like, I think we should come back to, to this in our wokeness segment. But there's a lot of... Uh, undertones of not just homoeroticism but i would say sexual violation yes. in the in the vampirism it's, but but before we talk about it let's talk about mr cruz yes let's talk about mr tom so cruise. an unusual movie for us uh because tom cruise is not really the main it's not the lead here and if you look at the marketing for it like if you google interview with the vampire he's like the big face in all the movie posters because i guess he was you know an a-list star at the time he's yeah he's like a, a plot driver at the beginning and then he gets killed and then he comes back all fucked up, and he's like, ah, you didn't kill me. And then they kill him again, and then he comes back at the end. So we get a lot of him, and he's an important character, but he's not. The, this is not a Tom Cruise movie. No, he is not the central character. The central character is supposed to be Brad Pitt, uh, but I think it's important for us to talk about it because it's such a weird character for Tom Cruise Oh, yeah, to be. It's, so it's a complete 180 <laughs> for, the, for the Tom Cruise ouvoir. Yeah, for so... Tom Cruise. So this movie takes place, what? This movie was in 1994. 94. So Tom Cruise made this after A Few Good Men, after The Firm, after Far and Away, where basically he has played pretty much your standard good guy, clean cut American heartthrob hero. He's been a movie star my whole life. He has. But, but, you, but you're right. Yeah, the Tom Cruise archetype, certainly up to this point, yeah, is exactly that. The, right. like, A-list, like, shiny Boy Scout leading man. 
And now he's playing, yeah, like a crazed, campy gay vampire. Right, and not a good person, right? I'm looking, I'm looking through the the thing, and I'm sure if I got it wrong, somebody will tell me. But for most of his for most of his career up to here, he's never really pay, played the bad guy, right? Yeah. Like, and that's not a villain, but he's he yeah he's amoral and you know exactly. and, and, and remorseless. And the morals is a really important thing because he's coming off of what a few good men, where he's just like super moral, How dare American you, guy. And in Interview with a Vampire, he's just like a weird, fiendish, semi- Kill that lady! Oh, you didn't kill erotic. that lady? I'll kill her. You yeah. suck, Louis. Semi-erotic vampire, which is just like a crazy <laughs> choice for him to make. No, I actually think, yeah, the character is ridiculous. Um, yeah, really campy and melodramatic and overblown. And like, if you, I'm, I'm sure people thought Tom Cruise was a terrible choice for this before they saw the movie. It just does not seem like he's going to fit. But I kind of feel like... You know, I don't know if I loved the performance, but I felt like he was bringing something to it, right? He had a vision for who Lestat was, and it's got a certain, yeah, like, weird, campy glory to it. One thing you can't say about Tom Cruise, that man commits. Yeah, he's he's all in. Whatever he decides to do, he commits. Whether it's Mission <laughs> Impossible, I'm going to fly this helicopter, and I'm going to crash it into a mountain, or I'm going to play a gay vampire... That guy is 110% in all the way. He never does anything halfway. And for that reason, this totally works. Because he's not phoning it in. He's not like, oh, wink, wink, this is a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah thing. exactly. Yeah. He's, he's just like 100% <laughs> like, I'm a crazy vampire. And that, I, that's a great point, too. Like, I think the entire movie, yeah, you know, I don't love every moment of it. But yeah, like, this movie at no point is not, it's, it's taking its subject matter very seriously. Mm-hmm. This is a dark, grim Awful vampire movie. All right. Well, let's talk about how the characteristics that Tom Cruise generally brings to a role apply to this movie, what we like to call... The Cruise Factor. The Cruise Factor. All right. Let's talk about his boyish charm. Absent. Completely absent. Do you really think so? Well, Lestat has a certain... I think he's supposed to have a certain, like, devilish charisma, but it's not the boyish charm that Tom Cruise has brought to his previous roles. Yes, it's not the... The boyish charm that we see usually. It's um, a very world-weary, cynical, jaded thing. But he is still very charming. Like, Lestat has to be charming and to he, get And I think he's across. supposed to be very charming. Like, he seems a little deranged and creepy at least half the time. So I don't know that he's as charming as, like, the character is supposed to be. Let's talk about his good looks. Uh, crucial to this role, in my opinion. You think? You think he, he's handsome as the... Well, the pasty, ghoulish Lestat? Well, this is my other problem with this film, is that they made everybody unhot. They're handsome men, but yeah. you wouldn't know it from Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, these are all incredibly good-looking men, and they made them incredibly unhot. But the good looks are a part of Lestat's charm. Like, that is how he gets, like, women in the door. That is how he gets all his victims in. Yeah, he, he has trades. a very aristocratic, yeah. louche sort of charm. He trades on his good looks. So they're actually crucial to the character and to the actor that plays him. And I think they did a little bit, like, they have, like, a lot of, like, veins on their faces, and their faces are a little gaunt. I think there's some some makeup yeah. applied to make them look more vampiric. Yeah, but it's there. Um, we're going to talk about hair last, because that's just... My God. I, that's just a whole other My thing. My God. But I want to show, like, one one thing we talk about with his with Tom Cruise is that you can't make the man unconfident. Like he has to be confident in every mm, single yes. film. You feel his dad is confident. He's so confident. Yeah, overconfident. he's the most confident vampire. Yeah, he and again he owns being a vampire. Mm-hmm. He's not whining about it. Yeah, he's like. I'm a vampire. He's like, it's awesome. I'm a vampire. We eat people. So, yeah, even when Claudia decides she's going to murder him horribly, up until the last one, he's like, 
yeah, okay, yeah, I guess I guess we're cool again, me and my child vampire. He's like, oh, no, she's murdering me, but I'm Lestat. Yeah, the confidence is crazy. It's just those things that, like, every time you cast Tom Cruise in something, these are the things you're going to get. Um, and then Lestat comes back, and he's, he's sort of, like, decrepit, and, like, for some reason he is not, he is recovered from being murdered, uh, but he is not totally recovered. He's right. all sort of, he's like the Crypt Keeper. Uh, but then when he comes back at the very end of the movie, because he's immortal, he's back to his full glory, and there's this incredibly campy outro scene where... He, yeah, he finds Christian Slater, the interviewer of the vampire, and he's like, woo-woo, we're going to ride in the car, we're going to go over the Golden Gate Bridge, and I'm going to turn on some rock and roll. I think at that point in the film, Lestat is the audience, and he's like, God, I've had to listen to this guy <laughs> whine for 200 years. You're like, yes. Yeah, I just eat Christian Slater. Quit talking to him about all your problems. Uh, let's talk about hair. Let's move on to hair, because I have... So many thoughts. Now, your your theory is that Tom Cruise never has good hair in his movies. My theory is that no one has ever learned how to cut Tom Cruise's hair mm. in a way that is flattering to him in films. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why. This movie is not here to falsify your theory. <laughs> it is it is more data for your set. <laughs> I, I'm saying that this movie is like exhibit A. It's got to be a wig, right? There's multiple wigs, I think. Well, it's very light in color, which does not mm-hmm. really work with his coloring, I don't think. It's no. very floppy... You know, and I guess maybe they had different hair a few hundred years ago. But Brad Pitt, even though Brad Pitt doesn't look great, at least he's got, like, his yeah. hair is fine. But Tom Cruise's is just like a Cabbage Patch kid. I it, it bothers me that they spent so much time in this film on so many things. And then when it came down to the budget line for wigs, they cheaped out. <laughs> they were just like, you know what? No more than $14 per person. <laughs> I cannot. What is it? Go, okay, kid, you're working. Yeah, go around to the wig store. <laughs> And yeah, bring us whatever they got in the front. It's it isn't. I mean, I understand that the hairstyles in like the 17, 1800s were long and unflattering to men. Yeah, maybe they had bad hair back then, and this is just period accurate. <laughs> but it was. It's exceedingly awful, and Tom Cruise deserves better. That face demands better hair. It is almost yeah, like it's almost hard to take him seriously at first because you're so distracted <laughs> by his like yeah, like whitish, pale, floopy yeah. hair. Uh, Kristen Dunst, they, she, her hair is actually good, but I feel like that's actually her real hair. But horrifying scene. She's yeah. so, so she's understandably like existentially angstful about like when she realized like, wait a minute, I'm going to be ten years old forever, and I'm a monster, and she doesn't grow or change, so she cuts all her hair off, and it immediately grows back, and she freaks out. Such a creepy, creepy scene. Yeah, like, and there's lots of scenes about like, like death and horror, but that one is kind of horrible, and it's like a very anodyne way. And I think you said earlier that it's kind of a horror movie. In that scene, it's like where it feels like a horror film right away. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes where it's horror in the like the like the true sense of horror, where like when you understand what you are seeing, you're like, oh, that's really terrible. Yeah. What else about Tom Cruise? I mean, I think that. This movie doesn't have to star Tom Cruise, but it's such a weird freaking choice. And I don't know if you can ever get away from the fact that it's Tom Cruise as Lestat. Like, he doesn't disappear yeah, he's always into Tom the role. Cruise. You're he's right. always Tom Cruise. Now, we, we recently discussed the movies of Dwayne The Rock Johnson mm. and uh, on the 10 Movies podcast. Uh, go back and check it out. They were terrific. But we talked a lot about how he really doesn't have a lot of artistic courage, right? He always stays in his very safe spot. And you kind of think of Tom Cruise, like, Tom Cruise has had a much more expansive career, but you kind of think of him as being similar in that sense. But this is, yeah, this is a complete, you know, a complete swing from him, yeah, to be this... Yeah, everything yeah. that a leading man would not be, particularly in the mid-90s, he's yeah. doing in this movie. Yeah, he's like, you know what, gay vampire, sign <laughs> me up. Like, that is a huge, bold leap 
for yeah, he's for evil. Somebody. He's weird again with the strong homoerotic vibe, which was not something that you saw like now. Like I think a straight actor like plays gay to secure an Oscar, but I don't think in the mid nineties that was the case. No, I don't think so either. And uh, well, are we are we ready to talk about the gay vampires and whether or not they're even gay? Yeah. Well, let's let's talk. Yes, let's talk about the the, the deeper themes and the the relative wokeness of the movie. One of the reasons that I do like this film is that it does engage with a lot of really interesting family issues. Mm. Like, it's a really good parable for crazy, dysfunctional families. My two vampire dads. Yeah, me and my two vampire dads. <laughs> um, so, like, I would say thematically, not just, like, about... Brad Pitt being sad about being a vampire, but thematically it is, how do I create a family with my new identity, right? And Lestat turns Brad Pitt because he needs a companion and he realizes his companion would be sad if he didn't have a child. And so then he turns Yeah, because Kristen Brad Pitt's Dust. character had a kid and a wife and they died yeah. in the play. Or and so Lestat, in kind of this nice way, wanted to create this family. And for a while, that family is happy, like all families are at yeah. times. But maybe not a nice way, more that like he has this need for Brad Pitt in his life, yes. his own life, perhaps. So he does this to, to, to bind him to him. And I think he says that in the film. He's like, I created her because otherwise you would have left and right. now you'll stay with us. So he like creates this thing and I feel like it's really too simplistic to say gay vampires, right? Like it really is more about just this deeper need for I need a family, I need connection, I cannot be alone in this world. Yeah, and I think it's like there's these two men and they have these, yeah, there's a lot of like physical intimacy between them, especially with all, like, all the vampire biting and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, like I think, but it's all, yeah, I agree. I think it's almost simplistic to refer to it as homoeroticism. Yeah. I don't think that's really what it's about. It sure. really is like a very, and it, I think this says something about us as the audience is like how we are really uncomfortable with that kind of emotional and physical intimacy, especially when it's between two men. Like, it's not like something you cringe away from, but it's definitely something that you're like, oh, I never see this on screen. Like, I never see two men talking about how I need to be around other people or I need emotional intimacy in my life or I need my family in a like, real way. The theme you're talking about, like, comes up later. Like, when, so Armand, yeah. the Antonio Vanderas. That is vampire. when I think it gets, like, explicitly homoerotic. Yeah, I think, he, yeah, he's, he and Barbara are very drawn to one another. Yeah. And then Claudia, the child vampire, sees this, she's like, oh, you know, Armand's your boyfriend now and you don't want me anymore so yeah. she has to go off and make herself a vampire mom yeah and it's super weird because there's this god and this is where the movie's so gross and creepy is because it's like technically he is her like they have like a father-daughter relationship yeah. but neither of them can move on from that relationship and she's like uh, you cannot be with this person if I'm still in your life. And even Armand is like, well, you say she's not your lover, but she really is, Like, which is just so gross. Lots of creepiness happening. Lots of creepiness happening. And that is where it gets like, and he's like, and Armand is really explicitly like, you would be my companion. This is why I'm drawn to you. Yeah, I want a good, awesome vampire, not my stupid yeah. vampire sidekick. <laughs> it's like, I want a super hot Who vampire. Um, and then the poor so Claudia's like I'm gonna make a vampire mom and there's this woman who's obviously not mentally well no. she's like my own child died make me a vampire and Brad Pitt's like lady you do not want that she's like no I do like alright they make her vampire and she gets killed by the sun the next day she yeah. was a vampire for like five hours yeah she was a vampire for like five minutes she and had it's a done. rough go that um, lady 
But I, but this is like this is why the movie I think is really good, and I feel like it takes a lot of courage for every single actor who is in the film to be willing to portray this kind of vulnerability. I do think the movie cheaped out considerably by not letting Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas actually kiss. Like they get so close to kissing, and then they actually don't. But I don't think vampires kiss, though, right? Vampire, like for vampires, the like the the biting is the thing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about vampires. I never watched Twilight. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I don't mean like I'm not looking at my big book of vampire lore. I mean like in the world of this film. Like, yeah, it, there is some like like Tom Cruise is always like smooching on the servant maids, but he doesn't get any gratification. That's just a prelude to what he really wants, which, which is, is to eat them. Right. I don't know. I don't know if vampires kiss. What did, did they kiss in Twilight? Um. Can we take this to? <laughs> I, we've taken this to a, a creepy place. Can we take it to a creepier place? <laughs> oh, gross. Okay, let's do it. Well, so I think that the so what we get a lot of in the movie is people getting turned into vampires. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there, it is a strong metaphor for sexual violation, right? Yes. Like this happens over and over. Sometimes it's kind of explicit. Like at one point there's a prostitute and they kill her in a really horrible way. And then the Parisian vampires, they take a young woman's clothes off before they kill her. Yeah, and, the thing on the stage yeah, is really horrible. horrifying. But like every single time this happens, yeah, I feel like that is a, a, at least a subtext of what's happening. But I don't know if the... It's not sexy in the slightest. No. I don't know if the movie thinks it's sexy, though. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they I think, do. I think the movie... I think the movie concedes that some people find it erotic. Because a lot of people do find this kind of thing, like... Italy. People think vampires are sexy. Yeah, yeah. people think vi- vampires are super hot. And what happens a lot in the film, and again, I don't know if this is you know broader. I don't think this happens in Dracula, for instance. But every time, it almost seems like the vampire bite has like a like a sort of anesthetic. Every time someone the vampire bites someone, instead of screaming, they go ooh. Yeah, <laughs> they're like they're really into it, and then they're dead. I I think them. I think vampires. I would say modern day interpretations of vampires are really closely linked with like sexual gratification. And uh, here in the film, even when the me- it's usually, but first of all, it's always men biting into women. Yes. Never and, they're, and they're always yearning before they do right, it. Right. Like there's always this yearning. There's always this like implication that it's part is, is functions as like a sexual release when, you know, the bite is happening or the other person is getting turned into a vampire. Um, but I think the movie tries to say that consent is important, but it never really gets that far. Mm. Like, yeah. So Lestat goes on and on about like, I didn't have a choice. They just vampired me. I'm yeah. only giving you a choice. Of course, it's not really a choice because Louis doesn't understand what this means for him. Right. But there's a lot of other times when they're, well, yeah, you're right. Like when they make someone a vampire, it's a big to do. But a lot of times they're just killing people. Right. And they don't get right. their consent at all. They're and just the feeding cons- on them. And the consent is about being turned. The consent isn't yes, right. like, let me eat you. The consent is about being turned. So I think the movie's trying to imply that like consent is important in terms of turning you into a vampire everything else is just killing which is such a it's just weird like the whole (laughs) culture around vampires is weird people who like vampires like i don't get it yeah you know did you ever see the lost boys i did yeah so all-time great vampire flick yeah very different like in that one vampires are monsters to be defeated they're smart and they're cunning and they have a certain charm but they are monsters to be defeated yeah but here they are they are our point of view characters the non-vampire characters are are insignificant in this movie yeah but also shockingly or unshockingly 
no real female vampires like even in the Paris Cabal like there's no real female vampires so. yeah there's uh, there's shockingly few women in this movie at all the only woman is a like a, a literal child yeah and then this other woman that they finally turn um again so I guess vampires, yeah but she's a non-entity right she, you don't yeah. even know her name so I guess vampires are really um patriarchal society so and you, again you would think though that like yeah like there's no sort of gender difference no. in the vampire world and yet it's still a very sort of I sexist uh, array of things if the movie was made now you would have to throw in some hot lesbian vampires because you're just like missing an opportunity for hot chicks making out yeah, you think there would be more hot lesbian vampires yeah. in our in our culture but there's not it's all no. it's all like sort of stilted men it's all just like boring gross <laughs> guys with zero emotions all right, let's move on. Let's talk about my question for you. What is the best vampire kill in this film? Now, define best for mm. me, if you will. It can be anything that either, I to me, it's just like something that turned your stomach and made you flinch away from the screen. Oh, well, there, there's, where there's, you're just there like, are several oh moments. Like, yeah, there are several like, I cannot watch what I'm watching. Well, well you go, you go, you go first. What was yours? There's, there's two. There's one where I did not expect Kristen Dunst to set L- Lestat on fire. I was like, that's the most gruesome kill. I she was, slits his throat. Yeah. I, in a cold blooded way too. Yeah, just she no fucked that vampire up. Prelude Take this vampire dad. <laughs> I have had it with you. Um, there's that and scene. They dump, and they, they dump his body in the swamp and his throat's yeah. all cut and again. the crocodiles are chewing on I'm him. I'm sorry, but like Brad Pitt in this movie doesn't make any active decisions. She's like, we're going to throw him in the swamp. Stop whining. <laughs> like, yeah, he moons around. He's like, I'm so mad at this dad for vampiring us. And she's like, well, you know what? I'm going to kill him. He's like, oh, no, my vampire child killed him. And then, yeah, and then she's like, I got to throw him in the swamp. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's like, we're going to throw him in the swamp. Help me. <laughs> but I don't think he's supposed to seem like impassive and whiny. I think he's supposed to seem, you know, well, moody and interesting. But no, he is not. no, not at all. What about you? God, well, that was a horrible one. The, but even, okay, the one that is the most horrible, like that one's awful, uh, and it's shocking, but there's one that is just, uh, God, there's, there's at least two others that are horrifying. Uh, one is early on, they're, they're, they're palling around with a couple of New Orleans prostitutes, mm. and Lestat, so an interesting sort of uh, plot line of the whole movie is Lestat wants to force Louis to become like him, right? He's like, oh, you need to get down on my moral level. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he and Lestat, and Louis craves human blood, but he, no, I won't. I'm going to eat a rat. I'm going to moon around about it. Uh, so yeah, he uh, Lestat gets a couple of prostitutes, and one of them he kind of bites and just drops her on the floor. But the other one he kind of tortures, yeah. and there's he gives her his vampire bite, and then she's all like, kind of like, ooh, I love it. But then like he's bitten her like in the chest or like in the torso, and like there's blood pouring out of her, and then she kind of wakes up and she realizes what's happening and she's screaming and the other two vampires are just chatting while this is happening and then they put her in a coffin and she's still alive and it, that is incredibly dark and horrible to watch it's so fucked up you know what's so it's fucked, fucked up? up what happens to that lady <laughs> Tom Cruise and Matt Pitt is like come on and they're just arguing about it and she's screaming in horror I the, what is so messed up about this film and Anne Anne Rice I lay this at your feet because it all comes from you her know she book. wrote the screenplay too <laughs> yeah she wrote she's the screenplay deeply, too she's deeply Anne in, Anne my god here. what is happening in your mind but like there's this 
the immediateness of like sexual attraction turning into violence, turning into horror is so closely linked that it makes everything extremely uncomfortable. But that screen, but that scene, the woman, the prostitute is like screaming for like help and is like, you got to help me. And uh, Lestat is like, you have to eat her or she's going to keep like suffering or you got to kill her or whatever. And he just doesn't do anything. He just sits there yeah, and whines just, about it. Yeah, he just moons around. He just moons around. God, whatever. But a lot yeah. of the other kills are, are yeah, like you almost feel like the, like, oh, they, they slipped peacefully, perhaps even, you know, sensually into exactly. death. But this yeah. one, that lady went out screaming. Yeah. And then the other one is the, they're on, they have the theater of the vampires. The Paris deep, vampires. Deeply horrible. Yeah, the Parisian vampires. Uh, yeah, and they bring a woman on stage and they strip her naked. Yeah. And then Armand bites her. And then all the vampires are dressed as sort of like campy yeah. vampires and they all descend on her body and it's it's a it's horribly and beautifully shot right they're all wearing these like like cheesy vampire outfits even though they're really vampires yeah. and then there's an overhead shot and they all like her body disappears under all their black cloaks and you know they're eating her right and there's an audience of people and they're like mm, that's fucked up but it must be a play right because <laughs> nobody would be that creepy and crazy yeah and so yeah, the, yeah that's that is that's another like deeply horrible thing to watch and think about yeah it is it's again the movie at least commits to the freaky ideas that yeah it wants this movie's like explore. hey you know what's fucked up everything we're telling you right now yeah it doesn't i mean it's basic i feel like this movie is basically the anti-twilight i've never seen twilight <laughs> but i feel twilight was like eh, vampires aren't that bad yeah twilight is you have to watch twilight just because it is such a stupid stupid but movie. i feel like that movie advocates for being turned into a vampire yeah because vampires are they're emo and they're they, they're hot they glow a little bit and yeah they're it's, and they it's, but it's like a you know it's like a, a tween vampire movie this is not for tween <laughs> if you are a tween or you are the parent of a tween absolutely do not watch interview with the vampire it will traumatize you for the rest of your life even if you're an adult unless yeah you don't <laughs> Maybe don't even watch it if you're if you're a sensitive adult. Let's talk about the movie MVP. Who other than Tom Cruise was the most valuable player in the movie? Yes. Well, it's not Brad Pitt. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> God. Jesus Christ! I can't believe his career survived. Well, you know, he's the guy's made a lot of good movies. You can he can do some stinkers. I'm not. Mm. I'm not. You know, I'm not canceling him over this one. Who did you most enjoy in the film other than Tom Cruise? Well, I mean, slam dunk. Uh... Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. She makes this movie, like, she elevates this. Like, yeah, I agree. You wouldn't believe. So, yeah, she's clearly the MVP. But in the interest of a second choice, uh, a lesser character, I don't think we've discussed him, uh, I think it's Michael Ray is the actor. The vampire is Santiago. Mm. He's, like, the second in command of the Parisian vampires. And there's, uh, he's the only other one there other than Armand who has a sort of distinct personality. He's the, so Brad Pitt has gone to Paris in search of other vampires, and he encounters him in like a tunnel in the dark. And they do the mime yeah, routine. Yeah, they're both wearing yeah. top hats and tails, and they start like mirroring each other's motions, but in a deeply like hostile, <laughs> aggressive way. Yeah. And then, yeah, so for the rest of Brad Pitt's time, as the as the, the merciless, horrible vampire coven becomes increasingly disenamored <laughs> with him, this guy is, is like, he's the meanest yeah. and then when Brad Pitt kills all the other vampires this guy survives and they kind of have a they kind of have a battle and I thought that guy had a lot of really like vile presence he had a real like dark charisma in a way you want your vampires to do more more so than Antonio Banderas who's just like sexy vampire like, yeah van this guy was evil Antonio Banderas was like lovesick please let us hang out together I think you're kind of yeah. hot vampire he bites a lady but other than that he there's no real menace to him but no. this but yeah but but Santiago menacing 
Santiago knows that his place is being threatened, and he does not yeah. like it. He's like, too. I'm going to fuck these other vampires. He, from the first minute, he's like, I do not like these American vampires. <laughs> I mean, seriously, would Parisians like American vampires? I don't believe no, they no, would. No, no, yeah. They would, this is no. like absolutely how they would treat the American vampires. All right. Where do you think this film fits in the Tom Cruise canon? Well, it's an oddball, for sure. An oddball. Yeah. I mean, do you think this is a, is a notable Tom Cruise movie? I think it's a notable film, and I think that it's notable only in the sense that it shows you how he's a good actor. I'm sorry, but Tom Cruise is a good actor. This shows me that he's a good actor. Yeah, he's yeah, he's not. He doesn't convey any like real interiority of Lestat. But yeah, I think he, like we said, he commits to the role and he he has a take on this character. Yeah. That, that I can appreciate. I do. That being said, because the film is actually so deeply ingrained in kind of pop culture as one of the like uh, touchstones for like modern interpretations of vampires, I feel like it's a high to mid-range canon. I So I think you're right. I think this is, yeah, this is an iconic vampire text, whether you're talking about the book or the movie. And I think mm-hmm. they're pretty closely linked because, again, Anne Rice wrote them both. But have people seen this? Like, unlike A Few Good Men or Mission Impossible or Top Gun, where they're on cable all the time and everyone's seen them, even if you were they came out before you were born, I don't know that that's the case with this one. I think it's a generational thing. Yeah, I, I think people our yeah. generation saw it, but I don't know the young people, if you're out there. <laughs> and tweens, not you. You should not be even listening to this podcast. We cursed. <laughs> but young people in general, let us know know if you've watched interview with the vampire i i think that it's a generational thing i think that uh, tom cruise right now for anybody who is probably even in their only like in their 30s He's only a knows mission a mission impossible guy is yeah. the old action guy and if they see him in this or if they saw him in born on the fourth of july they would say nobody oh. saw born on the fourth of july <laughs> They would say, oh, man, that's the same guy. So, yeah. Now, not to prolong this, but, you know, we, we don't go a lot into, like, we talk about the, the texts themselves, the movies. Yeah. We don't talk about, you know, the Tom Cruise personal life and the, you know, sort of the celebrity gossip around him. But I feel like he wouldn't make this movie today, right? His oh. reputation is very different. Yeah. His career is very different. Yeah, I don't think we would see Tom Cruise do anything remotely like this today. This is the stat, sad state of filmmaking. I don't think you would make, anyone would make this movie today. That's what sucks, yeah, if they made, in fact, I think they're making into a miniseries, perhaps, but it will be vastly different, I'm sure. Yeah, it, this movie is like, just goes headlong into weird, creepy, <laughs> borderline, incestuous stuff. And anybody who's making a movie with big stars that wants to get like billions of streaming views or billions of dollars at the box office, they're not yeah, making this, this would movie. Not play in the Chinese market. You're yeah, only if- getting MCU knockoffs again and again and again. If they made it today, it w- the special effects would be way better and it would have like cool goth sets, but it wouldn't be anywhere near as dark and, and twisted as this was. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think that's... I'm, I'm going to go take a shower. I'm feeling like... I felt gross when I watched it. I feel gross talking about it. But it stayed with me. It, it lingered, yeah. and I've been thinking about it since I watched it. For better, for worse, interview with The Vampire, a movie that you can't forget. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. If you can, take a minute to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And we will see you next week. As always, thank you to Underdog Podcast Network for hosting us and our producer, Tony Gill. Mwahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahah